Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of Dan and Frankie Go to Hollywood. I'm Dan. And I'm Frankie. There you go, that's who we are, and so uh, we are once again here to discuss movies for, um, well, hopefully only a couple of hours, but knowing us, it may be five hours, I don't know. Uh, but we shall see. So, um, first of all, thank you to everybody who has been tuning into our podcast uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate each and every one of you, uh, you know, for a first time podcast for the both of us. Uh, we've been so happy with the numbers and everything and just the general chat that we've been having with people. Um, and yeah, it's just really making it all worthwhile. So thank you all very much. And not only that, uh, of course, uh, yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with people watching the movies that we've been talking about. Um, I know that Fraser Jubb in Scotland, not only did we restore his faith in movies, but he went and watched Mallrats. And my fiance Kylie has finally seen Deadly Prey. Surprised which... you haven't made her watch it before now. Look, I realize that. Um, I was surprised myself that I put a <laughs> ring on it before I had shown her Deadly Prey. I mean, that ordinarily is a deal breaker for me. You know, when I go out, you know, when I when I go out on the town and I meet women and they're like, you know, hey, you're good looking. I'm like, I know. The first thing I say is, have you seen Deadly Prey? And 10 out of 10 times they say no. And I'm just like, you know, I don't want anything to do with you. Uh, so yeah, no, she, she is a very special lady, but, uh, she's even more special now that she has seen Deadly Prey. And so, enjoyed it. And enjoyed it. Well, how can you not enjoy Deadly Prey? I mean, I know it's more of a thing for us because, you know, I mean, we're friends with Ted Pryor who actually listened to our Deadly Prey podcast, which was all sorts of amazing. Uh, and I don't mm. know if he's listening to this one, but thank you, Ted. Added me to the friends list. Yes, yes, okay. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. You well, are part I of the... am happy to be there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, what's what's been going on the last couple of weeks? How you been? Not too bad. I've been adjusting to go, getting back to work after the Christmas break, Ugh. which <laughs> <laughs> is taking a while, especially with um, train issues last week because they decided to shut down half the train line. So my journey took half an hour longer than normal which means two hours each way mm -hmm. but um back to normal this week but of yeah. course it's monday as we're recording this so mondays are a struggle they are and with those train issues being a recent deadly prey convert you know did you have that famous quote from colonel hogan in your mind those bastards those stupid dumb bastards <laughs> <laughs> i i did not i do not have photographic memory of all the deadly prey things after one watch. Well, that's true. I mean, I do have at least 29 watches on top of that. So, yeah. Maybe uh, one day. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Uh, so, anyway. Um, but, look, we're not here to talk about trains. We're not here to talk about Fraser Job. We're here to talk about movies. So, uh, what's been going on? Have you watched anything interesting lately? <laughs> I have, and uh, you have as well. There's I have. been a couple we've both watched. It was it was a rhetorical question. Mm. I already knew the answer to it, and I threw it out there anyway because it's you know what you do in a podcast. 
So what, what you been watching? Well, maybe we'll kick things off with the one that I have the least to say about. But mm -hmm. it was quite an interesting movie, which was Saltburn, which a lot of people mm. are watching and talking about. And I remember when I watched it and I said to you, I didn't really like this all that much, but you mm -hmm. have to watch it because mm. it's just one of those movies that has things that you can talk about. Oh, does it ever? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, look, I, every time I go into my bathroom now, I've got to shield my eyes from looking at my bathtub. <laughs> um, I, wow, just wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, look, I, I was curious about it because, of course, Promising Young Woman was, oh my God, such a phenomenal film to me. And so I was very keen to see what Emerald Fennell, Fennell, Fennell was going to come up with next. And yeah, I thought the trailer looked interesting. I really uh, liked the trailer. I, yeah. It got me was, interested. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, it obviously did its job then. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, then I started hearing all these weird things and <laughs> some of the things you were telling me about it. And it, it really piqued my curiosity. And so yes, I, like, I remember okay. that. I was like, do you know about the bathtub scene? And you were like, mm. is it related to the bloody finger scene? And I was like, no, that that's a separate scene, but similar <laughs> kind of yeah. level of... Ew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I'd read on a Facebook post something about a bloody finger scene. And, okay, and then you said something about a bathtub. And I, I sort of put two and two together. And I thought, okay, if those two are related, then... I, I had an idea in mind. I'm not going to explain what that idea is, uh, but it basically involved what the finger scene was, but in a bathtub. Yeah, anyway. Um, but look, overall, yeah. Like, what, what were your overall thoughts, though? All uh, the you factor aside. My overall thought um, was I really liked Butler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Butler Duncan. He didn't do mm -hmm. a lot, but... Mm. I liked seeing him. I mm -hmm. actually thought more about him and wondered mm. about him off screen than mm. because I didn't like anyone that was on screen, really. Yeah. Um, which I know is kind of the point, but sometimes mm. unlikable people are interesting and I enjoy watching them and other times they are not. Mm. And yeah so i mean interesting you... performances and everyone's going on about rosamund pike and her performance in this which mm. i can see is an amazing performance but yeah i just didn't really care about anything yeah i mean duncan was such a big deal you even found fan fiction based on the character didn't you <laughs> <laughs> i looked there's not a lot and it that yeah. wasn't really anything good but you know i had mm -hmm. to try yeah absolutely uh so yeah i i thought Overall, on a technical level, things like the cinematography were outstanding. Uh, the production design was amazing. The yeah, the acting was great. Mm. I just yeah, it just didn't do anything for me really. It's the kind of film that I watched it once. And I'm like, okay, I've seen it. I don't think I would watch it again. I definitely wouldn't buy it. So yeah, uh, yeah. But but that wasn't the that wasn't the best of the uh, films that we saw well, <laughs> together, so to speak. Definitely not. It was the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do believe that we watched something a lot more entertaining than that one. 
Um, so we also watched Anatomy of a Fall, which is mm. highly anticipated. As soon as I saw the trailer, way back whenever the trailer was released, I was looking forward to it. I missed it at the uh, Brisbane Film Festival because I can't do film festivals. I live far away from the city and they are mm. all kind of just a couple of screenings at night in inner city theatres. I don't drive, so it's a hassle. So, but anyway, I've watched it now mm -hmm. and I really loved it. And I like it when everyone says a movie's amazing and I watch it and then think it's amazing as well. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I did too. I found it was really gripping the whole way through. I mean, yeah. it was one of those films, ordinarily, I... If I'm that intrigued about a plot, I can just sort of switch my brain off, just roll with it. But this one, man, I wanted to jump on Wikipedia and find out what happens in the end. Like, <laughs> I just couldn't wait. I was so enthralled by the plot. Uh, the performances were just out of this world from every everyone with two legs and four legs. Uh, because, yeah... The um, I'll, I'll get to the dog in a minute, but um, look for me, I was really enthralled all up the way until the ending, which obviously I won't say anything about it. But for me personally, it just flatlined at the end, and that it didn't sully the experience, like the journey getting there for me. But I just thought if the film had a more impressive ending. I would have rated it higher than I did, but uh, but that. And I'll just yeah. say for anyone who doesn't know, the plot of the film is that a woman is on trial, um, whether she murdered her husband or not, who mm. died when he fell from the upper level of their house. So um, it's really interesting just being in the courtroom, hearing details coming out, changing your mind about things as different details get revealed which mm. yeah it's using your brain while watching so it's mm. good to have those films every now and then sometimes it's good to just enjoy a film and have fun and then other times it's really fun to think about and mm. then there's also the uh, plot involving her young son as well mm. and uh, what he remembers hearing and everything so it was very mm. yeah it was a it really was good performance it was complex and I, I totally understand that the point of the film wasn't the ending yeah. uh, because I'm sure there are going to be people who will yell at me and go, oh, but you know, if you, you know, base the whole film on the ending, you didn't understand it. No, I did understand it. I got that it was all about the family element and the breakdown of the family element and how, uh, you know, things like a trial can bring those things out into the open and you know, what is secret and what is not. And I mean, oh, there were so many complex issues and themes and stuff. But um, yeah, and that, that part I, I really dug. Yeah, but uh, and look, I, I would watch it again. Um, I would probably even add it to the collection, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but the true hero of the film was the character Snoop, uh, which was this dog that... When I then looked up on Letterboxd all the people's reviews of it, so many people were talking about giving the dog an Oscar and, and all this sort of stuff. And I was just like, yep, I completely agree. Because there was that scene, I think I sent you a message all in capitals, 
uh, how the fuck did they get the dog to do that? Because <laughs> there is a scene where the dog is is playing ill, and I or near dead. And I, I thought, okay, it's obviously a fake dog, and but I thought that is a really realistic looking fake dog until it starts moving and and becoming good again, and it's like. Oh my god, that was the dog playing the role of a sick dog. Like, how? <laughs> how is that possible? I paused it and messaged you immediately. I was just like, <laughs> what the hell? Um, and so it was good to see that a lot of people shared my uh, my enthusiasm for uh, for that dog's performance. I, I don't know the name of the actual dog who played Snoop. Messy. But there you go. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, social media's just gone nuts uh, for that dog. So yeah, rightly so. Um, also, shining star in the film is mm. the lawyer with his glorious hair. Like that's I've. It's been a while since I've been so distracted by hair on screen. Just like mm. it was just styled so perfectly, and it just it was really like a lot of scenes were in English because. Mm. Um, she was a German who'd been living in London and then moved to France. So she mm-hmm. didn't know French like very fluently. So mm. they talked in English a lot, but then of course in the courtroom and everything, there was a lot of French spoken. And so I had to look away from that beautiful hair to read the subtitles mm. and it made me wish I knew French. <laughs> See, I thought you would have been more uh, enchanted by the man's eyes because God, he reminded me of Brad Dourif. <laughs> I'm serious. He he was like the Wish version of Brad Dourif. You know, if you if you order Brad Dourif from Wish, that is what you get. Um, so yeah, no, I just couldn't stop thinking that he had the same eyes, those kind of narrow eyes that were full of character. I didn't uh, think that. Like, I did notice like his face and everything, but I, mm-hmm. I didn't get the the Brad thing. But maybe I was just distracted right. by the hair too much. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so yeah, no, those those two films ranged from interesting to amazing. But uh, there was one film that I watched, and oh my god, I was so super impressed. So there's a film called The Lodge uh, from 2019, and it was one of those things where social media had blown it up to be like oh you know this is the scariest movie on netflix and uh all this sort of stuff and you know any time that you see that written anyway you're just like okay that's gonna be an instant one out of ten pile of absolute trash um but kylie said to me okay i really want to see this film and uh so she showed you and i the trailer for it and the trailer admittedly looked okay um and so it's essentially about a um, a couple of kids that go with their dad and his new girlfriend, soon to be wife, uh, to stay at a lodge out in the middle of nowhere in the snow, um, and just weird things start happening. And you, the directors intentionally did this thing at the start where they left you with clues that it might be a ghost story but it might be something else and so you're like what is going on here and throughout the film there was just such an air of tension and and unease and you know um 
yeah, it's kind of hard to get too deeply into it, but you, you're really left guessing what is going on. And then the ending pays off, though. It oh, solidly pays off. And there are some things that happen in this film that shocked the hell out of me. Um, the To the point where the, a couple of days later, I had to watch the whole beginning of the film again because <laughs> I, I will not say what happens, but it's seven and a half minutes into the film. There is a moment that happens that just rattled me and I had to watch that again because it was done so goddamn well um and yeah overall it, it wasn't scary uh, you know wasn't really like a horror film as such but um it was just very interesting there's all this stuff about um because like the the new fiance uh her backstory alone was interesting when she was a little girl her dad who was played by her actual dad in the film too um was the leader of a cult that uh all the members of this cult wound up uh dead i can't remember if they killed themselves or if they were murdered but uh she was basically the last one who survived you know and it was like wow that alone is just such great you know character backstory to make something interesting and um yeah, all of those elements played into it, and uh, yeah, it it is a solid film. That one, I cannot recommend it enough. I do love a good cult story, and yeah. I know um, that one's been in my watch list probably since it came out. Actually, because mm. I do remember that doing the rounds. It's funny when a movie mm. comes out, and then years later, suddenly it's huge on Netflix because I don't know. I guess the right people saw it that. Mm posted about it and then it just spread around again <laughs> yeah 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 it's just ordinarily if i see one of those things it's like you know i mean you've seen them so many times you know it's like oh you know reports say this is the scariest movie ever put on netflix it's like oh my god no it's not but no in this case yeah. it's not the scariest but oh wow it is one of the better films i've ever seen on netflix so uh yeah i was very impressed mm. mm -hmm. uh well i watched a horror one just recently uh, there was actually a post online that just had four images, um, stills from the movie, mm -hmm. and they were enough to get me to watch it. <laughs> so nice. I think like that day or the day after I rented mm -hmm. it and watched it. So it's called Livid. Mm -hmm. um, it's a French film by the directors who did The Deep House and Inside. <gasps> Ooh. So I know you'll be happy with that. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. Inside um, is brilliant. And Deep House I loved. Yeah. Yeah, this is sort of similar to Deep House but in a different setting so it follows a young woman who's training to be a nurse uh, going around to people's houses so she's with an older woman spending the day going around and they go to this old house that's kind of out in nowhere and this old lady's in a coma and she used to be a really famous dance teacher teacher so she's got mm -hmm. the money to be cared for in her house and apparently the story is there's treasure somewhere in the house oh, nice. and so the young woman ends up talking to her boyfriend and his brother and they decide that because this old woman's in the coma they're just going to break into the house um at night and go searching for the treasure mm -hmm. and so of course they get in the house and all these weird and awful supernatural things start happening <laughs> and i won't say do. like what happens because i don't mm -hmm. want to spoil it but it was actually like really interesting and like sort of well i mean i knew some of what was 
going to happen from looking, mm. even though I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, just mm. waiting for things to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really well done. The it kind of goes a bit weird later on, and I, it's not just me. I've seen lots of people mention that they don't really understand exactly what happens in it and what okay. what the ending kind of means, mm-hmm. um, which I would agree with. But even though I don't really know exactly what the whole deal was, I still found it really interesting. Right, right. So, and was it scary? I mean, I, I know you and I uh, have different yeah. <laughs> levels of scariness, but... Uh... It, more, it had some creepy moments mm-hmm. with things, but I wouldn't call it scary. Yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Still, still well, a good one. Based on the directors, yeah, no, I would definitely love to see that. So, uh, yeah, no, thank you for the recommendation. Um, well, one film that I saw was one that appeared on so many top 10 lists of last year. And it actually got me thinking, man, I should have seen it because I wonder if it would have made my top 10 list as well. Uh, and that was, of course, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Now, and a lot of people, yeah, were like, this is the freaking best animated film in the history of cinema and all this sort of stuff it was massively overhyped um and i i liked the first one i didn't love it did you see the first one i haven't seen it right right okay interesting um yeah that to me it was definitely a film worth checking out i mean you know i I did buy a 3d blu-ray of it and stuff and i think i've only seen it twice though like it you know um so yeah i thought okay i should check out the second one and yeah it was okay (laughs) it definitely didn't yeah wouldn't have made my top 10 list by far and i apologize to anyone who absolutely loved it um look i i'm not saying that it was a bad film by any means uh, I just found at two and a half hours, and yeah, the I thought the runtime out outpaced the plot. Like there wasn't enough of a plot to stretch across two and a half hours in my book. Um, I yeah, I mean the plot was it's just sort of a a multiverse movie, you know, lots of Spider Mans and there's a villain that they've got to stop and you know that's pretty much it um and they stretch that uh, that out over two and a half hours and look visually it is one of the most mind-blowing films i've ever watched um every single frame of that film you could use as a computer background or you know whatever like it was insane to look at and that kept my interest for the two and a half hours there's no doubt about that um yeah uh i'll wait and see because there's it you know ended abruptly with to be continued there's going to be a third one uh and i'll wait and see how it all sort of you know blends together as a cohesive trilogy before i kind of say too much more about it but yeah i yeah was just left a little bit underwhelmed by that one unfortunately but good on you everybody who loved the film i wish i could be like you because yeah it's the main thing i hear about those films is the the visual style and everything Mm. so amazing oh my god they've revolutionized animation there is no doubt they have done something that no one has ever seen before 
Um, and even this new one was like a multimedia kind of a thing. There was uh, your traditional sort of cell style animation. There were scenes done with Lego. There was live action. There was, um, you know, there was a lot of different things. Um, yeah, but yeah, it just, yeah, you know, it was, it was good, I guess. <laughs> I'll get yeah. to them one day. Maybe I'll wait till mm. the third one comes out so I can just watch the whole thing. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Like I ended up doing with John Wick. <laughs> mm, exactly. Well, I'll take us back to the early 2000s because uh, right. remember I told you that I had soul survivors in my head, so I found a mm -hmm. copy on eBay. Mm -hmm. So I decided to watch that on uh, a weekend morning and uh, I did remember, the thing I remembered was the end mm. and I'm kind of glad because I think the movie probably works better when you know the end so it probably works better on a rewatch i'm not gonna spoil why or mm. anything of course mm -hmm. um so it's yeah this girl she's out with her friends they're, she's about to go off to college um and split from her boyfriend because he's going somewhere else that typical story and so they're going out to party on the last night before they leave and mm -hmm. then they there's some weird people at this weird club and then she gets in a car accident and her boyfriend um, dies. And so she's all upset. It's funny when you watch these films that no one's like, hey, do you want to go talk to someone? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not handling your grief well. <laughs> but instead, she's just, you know, at college, mm. seeing weird things, seeing the creepy guy from the club and the weird girl. And then mm -hmm. she starts seeing her boyfriend and then uh what's his name uh luke wilson is a priest that oh wow. there's like a uh i don't know if he's like on campus or next to the campus so she mm -hmm. kind of has some chats with him mm -hmm. and so i guess he's he's the help that she gets because her friends don't really care but um but yeah <laughs> there's just all this weird stuff going on and um yeah i don't remember what my first reaction was i've read reviews so i know a lot of people mm -hmm. hate this film and, right. and don't get it but i feel like once you know it makes more sense when you know what's going on oh, okay um mm -hmm. and i don't know i just think it's fun and then casey affleck is the boyfriend and you know mm -hmm. he's a bit dreamy in this although mm -hmm. he doesn't know how to dress for a party <laughs> they're with like a knitted jumper and everything and then like oh, the rest wow. of the group is dressed to go out to a club mm -hmm. so that's very weird now was um like I haven't seen the film, but I do remember the video cover of it from working in video stores. Was that Eliza Dushku in the lead role of that? She no, no. She's front and center in the poster because she's the most famous, but she's right. just a friend of the main girl who is at the back of the poster. No, really? Yeah, but, um, because oh, that's she's interesting. Um, Melissa Sage Miller. Oh, okay. um, is the main character and mm. she's right at the back it's like eliza dushku the two yeah. guys behind her and then the main girls at the back so it's wow. a bit sad okay because yeah i obviously would have thought that eliza dushku was the lead actress yeah. in that film but there, the there's that a was... lot of her fans that 
were very unhappy when they watched it and realized wow. she wasn't the main character. So, yeah, they were obviously cashing in on her success yeah. at the time because, uh, yeah, she was obviously a lot bigger then. Mm. Um, yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and so yeah. when I finished that, I thought, well, that was 2001 and mm. I had highway on the shelf which i recently mm -hmm. picked up from ebay which is from 2002 and right. i wanted to see that because it's uh jared leto and jake gyllenhaal mm -hmm. um and i hadn't actually heard of that until last year or so mm -hmm. um there's one that i never saw around back around the time it came out but it's had a misleading synopsis because it talked about going to Seattle for the vigil for Kurt Cobain dying. Oh, right. And so I thought that it was going to be about kind of, you know, grunge kids mm. going on a road trip. Of course. But uh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's just something that's happening at the time. And they, they do end up in Seattle, but they don't. Mm. It's, yeah, they're not, they're not that kind of oh, okay. crowd. Right, and right. Um, basically, Jared Leto is a pool boy mm -hmm. and he sleeps with the wife of someone who then is out to get him. So he grabs his friend and goes on the road to get out of town. Right. And right. Um, his friend suggests going to Seattle. So they, they head mm. off there. And okay. it's, it's a very weird film. Selma Blair turns mm. up along the way and joins them. Mm. And I don't know. I can't say i liked it but i can't mm. say i didn't like it but right, right. what i did not know is that <laughs> john c mcginley is mm. in this oh okay playing like a drug dealing hippie kind of character <laughs> with dreadlocks mm. and kind of blew my mind he was hilarious and every <laughs> scene he, he oh cool he was in just mm. made me happy so right. i mean if you took him out of it i would have liked it a lot less than mm. than i did so yeah, yeah. i don't know if that was worth hunting down but mm. i mean well i'm glad to have watched it because it's yeah you know it's a tick mm. off the jared leto movie list <laughs> <laughs> i think that was a film that i was almost gonna see back then but at that point i was only watching movies that had eliza dushku front and center on the poster <laughs> uh and that one didn't so i was like nah i'm gonna skip i that definitely one. preferred soul survivors <laughs> to this i don't know this even though it's weird and kind of doesn't make sense there's just there's a charm to soul survivors that just mm. i enjoyed watching it yeah, even yeah. with this weird stuff happening yeah, fair enough. Um, well, I finally got to check out the Hell House LLC series of films. Oh, God, I wish I hadn't. No, anyway, let's get into it. So um, I had seen the first Hell House a couple of years ago, and um, I had a <coughs> digital copy of it. Let's just call it that. Um, and I sort of remembered it a little bit but i'd never deleted the the copy that i had so i thought okay i, I must have liked it and so and then yeah i found out that there was three sequels and uh everyone was going on about how the fourth one is just you know it's got like 85 percent on rotten tomatoes people are saying it is just one of the scariest flat out most terrifying films they've ever seen all wow. of this sort of stuff. Oh, I'm not kidding. You go on a letterbox and have a look at the reviews people have been leaving it, and people are just saying that, nah, they, yeah, that was. I like wish the I got pinnacle. this scared as easily as lots of people seem to. 
Well, let me tell you right now, you certainly won't buy Hellhouse LLC <laughs> for... No, hang on, what is it? Uh, Hellhouse LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor. Um, so I rewatched the first Hellhouse, and look, that still stands up. I, I remembered why I kept onto that file, because um, the first two acts are really good. There are some solid scares in those first two acts. Like, it is... And because it's done subtly, like it's a found footage film. The basic premise is there's a group of young people who are doing up this old hotel that has a, you know, history to it. Um, they're doing it up as like a sort of a haunted house attraction. And of course, bad shit happens. You know, <laughs> that's yeah, <laughs> basically all you, all you need. Um, and so... One of the things for me, like I love found footage films. And one of the things for me, though, is that there's got to be a reason why the cameras are there, because that to me adds to the realism. Um, things like Blair Witch Project, Cloverfield, etc. Like there are always reasons why the camera is there. Um, I've seen some found footage films. I can't remember off the top of my head which ones they were, but you know they just seem forced it's like why would you be filming that you know in any particular time this film i thought yeah they had a plausible reason why there would be cameras there so that was good there were a couple of scenes here and there that uh, took me out a little bit and i was sort of thinking would you really be filming that um but yeah look overall it was done really well up until yeah the third act it kind of went a little bit silly after that um i kind of felt like yeah it was maybe i don't know it was just silly um but then i i heard that numbers two and three were ah uh, you know not great uh so yeah i checked out number two and oh my god if yeah that was one of the worst f films that i've seen in a long time i was that bored that i ended up just jumping onto social media and browsing and sort of half watching it like it nothing happened it was so boring it, there was no scares in it whatsoever there wasn't even a single creepy moment in the whole film i was just mind-numbingly bored um but you know you gotta persevere i thought if i'm gonna <laughs> make it all the way to hang on Hellhouse LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor, then I've got to watch all of them. Damn it. So I put the third one on and it was marginally better. Uh, there was one scene in it that I thought was very effective. It actually did kind of have me on the edge of my seat. But, you know, <laughs> one scene in an entire film, that's all that I... Yeah, wow. But, you know, after that, I thought, okay, great. I'm finally ready for... Hell House LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor. Um, and so I just watched that last night and I, oh boy, yeah, it was equally as bad. No, it was marginally better than the other two predecessors. Uh, but oh my God, how that film got 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, sometimes you'll be in a situation like that and you watch a film and you think, okay, like, I personally didn't like it, but I can see why other people would dig it. I didn't get that at all from this film. I got to the end, I'm like, I've seen it all before. The characters were annoying as shit. 
Um, the scare, like, it just revolved around these freaking clown mannequins that the whole series it revolves around these clown mannequins. I'm not kidding. Like, and so by the time you get to the fourth one, Hell House LLC Origins, <laughs> the Carmichael Manor, um, you, you'd like, well, you know, we've seen the clowns, man. Come on, let's do something different, you know. Um, for anyone wondering, because there's a lot of speculation as to whether or not you have to see uh, the previous films leading up to it. Not really. It will help a lot. I will say that there are a lot of references to things from the previous films, particularly the first one. Uh, you could probably really get away with just watching one and four. I don't think you need to see two and three, but even then, I wouldn't even bother with number four, Hell House LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor, uh, because yeah, the first one was really the only solid entry in that series. So yeah well i'm very curious now that has been on my watch list for ages i i'm not really into found footage which is mm. probably why i haven't got to it yet but yeah i was just listening to the film feast podcast um with their top movies of 2023 and two mm -hmm. of the three guys had the new hell house as their number 10 and so i was like oh yeah that's that's the franchise i've been meaning to get to mm. and um but then of course you got to it first and now you've said all that i was like oh i mean i'd heard two and three were bad and i thought well i do like to complete franchises mm. but perhaps i could just watch one and then watch the prequel of the the two good ones but um oh, yeah. yeah now i'm like maybe i'll just leave that sitting on the watch list for another yeah, few yeah. years and, and um, maybe get to it later I wouldn't really call Hell House LLC Origins the Carmichael Manor a prequel. Uh, it does. Oh, I thought it was mostly... set earlier and was the no. origin of the house where stuff was happening. Well, it kind of is, but it, it takes place after the events of 1, 2, and 3. Uh, um, okay. But there, there are. Because um, this family, the Carmichaels, from the, the. Apparently in the late 80s, they had a well it wouldn't have been a camcorder it would have been a film camera um and so you know like relying on that as found footage you know which sort of fills in some of the prequel stuff but oh, mostly okay. it is it is still a sequel but um yeah i mean oh, yeah i i just don't know if i could even recommend them and that's the thing like you know spider-man um across the spider-verse yeah, I totally get why people would put it as their number one film. You know, it might not have been for me, but I can completely understand why there are tons of people out there who would just love it. Hell House LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor, I really cannot figure out why anyone liked that film. And I would love to hear from people with their rationale behind it. So feel free to shoot us an email at uh, <laughs> Dan and Frankie Podcast at outlook.com if you have things you want to say about it. But, um, yeah, no, that, that was I a have to say, thing. though, when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes and stuff, I don't use it very much. But when I do look at stuff, I'm more likely to be the person that likes the movie that's got, like, 20% on Rotten mm. Tomatoes. So oh, yeah, yeah. It's kind oh. of weird to have it the other mm. way around for, yeah, for a movie yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, swear by Rotten Tomatoes as, you know, the, the gospel or whatever, but... Um, I do very often agree with it. Um, it seems the and, opposite of Letterboxd, mm. where I kind of ignore ratings in horror on Letterboxd mm. because 
Um, I don't know, people seem really harsh about horror and there's so many horror films I've really liked and then I'll look mm. on Letterboxd and their average rating is like two or something. Yeah, but that's the thing with, uh, excuse me, Hell House, LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor. Uh, I mean, that's got a 3.1 average on um, on Letterboxd. Which and- is pretty good for a horror film. Yeah, and like one person in the in the top three reviews said, without meaning to sound dramatic, there are a number of scenes in the final 20 minutes of this film that rank among the scariest I've ever seen. I'm really not joking. And so, yeah, you know, I'm reading stuff like that. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, this is interesting. Um, yeah, the final 20 minutes I was sitting there. Actually, I was checking the time left to go on it more than any film I've seen in a long time i was that bored by the end uh so yeah uh, as far as hell house llc watch the first one and then move on curious mm. what what do you think of the first paranormal activity oh i loved it i because i loved thought it. that was really boring right, right and i right. was waiting for it to finish okay yeah no i thought the first two in that series i because i yeah i did to not remember... continue <laughs> I, I loved the second one as well. My God, it had some really creative stuff. I think it was the second one that had a bit where they've got a camera to sort of keep an eye on what's happening at night, but it was on an oscillating fan. And there was a scene where at one point the fan is just going around the living room and then, you know, at one point it comes back or whatever and there's someone standing with a sheet draped over them, I think, or something, and... Oh, actually, it's been years since I've seen the film. I might be remembering it wrong, but there was there was a scene where the sheet just drops. You know, you see it like with a humanoid figure under it, and then it just drops, and it's it was so creatively done and really creepy. Um, but yeah, I thought you know for for what they did with those films, I, I thought they were highly effective. I thought yeah, the franchise after those first two went way downhill, but um, yeah, no, I, I really dug them. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of films that you probably wouldn't recommend. <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> um, I watched this Brad Dura film, Final Judgment, which right. was from the 90s. Uh, mm. I think it was 92. Now, is this actual Brad Dura or Wish Brad Dura? <laughs> actual Brad Dura. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Good old Brad um, Tariff. <laughs> this one, he's playing a priest, um, which just adds to the this film is weird like mm-hmm. um you know how great he is in exorcist 3 oh yeah how that's just such an amazing performance mm. if you had never seen him before and mm. i was raving about his performance and then you went and watched final judgment as your first mm. brad dura film you mm. probably think i was really weird <laughs> I think you're really weird anyway, but well, yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. It's a different word. But, yeah. I mean, it's entertaining. It was annoying too. This is only available on Plex, which mm-hmm. is kind of like Tubi, but way more annoying because right. um, it's like it's a free one and it has ads. But mm-hmm. unlike Tubi, which has an occasional ad through mm-hmm. your thing, this has multiple, like, frequent breaks uh, okay. with varying lengths up to a minute and a half 
Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, I was getting so annoyed watching it. So mm. Plex is only for if I'm absolutely desperate, can't find it anywhere else, which I think mm. I have one other movie that falls under that category. But anyway, okay. so this one <laughs> has a little, like, prologue thing, and then the first scene you see is him walking along, like, through a courtyard, mm. um, and this guy young guy chases another guy and is like threatening him and stuff um mm -hmm. just out on the street at the end of the walkway and as brad's walking like i don't think he's even met like he's not even seen them yet but he just just has this weird look <laughs> on his face I, I don't know it was just weird mm. i was like what is going on but then he gets into the end of the like sort of corridor thing and sees the guys and he does the whole like timothy oliphant and go when mm. the guys hit the girl with the car and he just puts his mm. arms out and is like, what the hell? Oh, and okay, so yeah, he yeah. does that. The The bully gets distracted and the kid takes off. <laughs> and then so he pulls a knife out on Brad oh. and then Brad just like takes him out, has him up against the wall and he drops mm. the knife. And so Brad bends down to pick up the knife and the guy gets free and tries to punch him. So mm. then Brad slams him against the other side pulls mm. out a gun oh wow and basically tells mm. him to get lost because <laughs> he used to be like a street kid that you know ah, came good and became a right wow but yeah so then he goes to see this girl to just um try and talk sense into her because she's been dancing at a strip club and her mum was worried and all of this <laughs> <laughs> and then mm. when he leaves the girl gets killed and so oh, no. he becomes a suspect because he mm. i think he hears something so he runs back inside so mm. and finds the body and right. so he's trying to find out who killed her mm -hmm. and it's just such a weird film it's kind of mm. it, it's and then he goes to the strip club and meets a friend of the girl who died and then so they kind of team up to, mm -hmm. and it, it's just the whole weird thing of a priest in a strip club and yeah the, and you're not selling me on this film no uh, well i i think if you're not really into brad Dourif, i don't know what would mm. what would entice you to mm -hmm. to sit and watch it yeah so no, it, it sounds like one that i've got better things to do <laughs> i mean this got released as a double feature in america on blu-ray Mm. and i've oh, seen wow. that blu-ray on ebay for like mm. 60 or 70 dollars or something ridiculous right and, um, yeah there's no way in hell mm. <laughs> i mean even if there was a cheap you know four dollar dvd or whatever mm -hmm. i don't think i'd be adding it to my collection i'm glad i watched it because you know mm. it, it was weird but yeah. yeah it's funny brad is one of those actors that has like He's very distinct, like he, mm. how he is, and it just depends on what he's given, how well it comes across. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's why a movie like Exorcist Three was so great mm. because of yeah. what he got to do in that. Mm. Whereas this film was, although there mm. there was like this really kind of dreamy sex scene in it, so okay. you know that mm. that was kind of nice and. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> but there was. Um speaking of weird films that you recommended to me and speaking of weird sex scenes <laughs> there's another film though that um that you you uh oh man yeah. you put onto my radar because and... because of brad Dourif. <laughs> yeah 
Um, yeah, there, there, there was another film that, that you, uh, well, I was, wouldn't say made me watch, but uh, when you told me about it, I was like, oh my God, I need that in my eyeballs. And uh, yeah, do you want to tell us about that one? Yeah, well, I was just scrolling Twitter and Bloody Disgusting had tweeted that um, David Gordon Green was leaving the new Exorcist trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I was just scrolling the replies, and then I just saw someone who said, I'll do it, gonna bring back Brad Dourif as the Zodiac Killer, though. Mm. And so, obviously, I liked that tweet. Mm. And then I went and looked at his profile and went, oh, he's a director. Mm. He has a movie called, well, he has a trilogy, the Carousel Trilogy. What's that? <laughs> now, that is Carousel, <laughs> as in C-A-R-O-U-S, and in capital letters, H-E-L-L, for anyone who wants to look into what we are about to talk about. Um, yeah, so I went to Letterboxd wow. and I looked it up and I looked mm. at all the other films he's done and I was sending you, like, synopsis things and, mm-hmm. like, covers and there's, like, cat films, so obviously that's Talking a cat big thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you sent me this thing about Karis Hell... And you told me that it was about a carousel unicorn that goes on a murder spree. I was just like, I suddenly had Llamageddon flashbacks. And I was like, oh my God, I need to see this film. Uh, so yeah, Kylie and I sat down and watched it. And oh man, I I am in love with Steve Rudzinski's work now. The, the writer-director and also who played Joe the pizza guy. This um, character. Yeah, oh, hands down. But Paracel, that delivered everything that I wanted to see in that film. It has, it, it's got, actually, just like Lamageddon, it's got special effects that range from utterly diabolically bad to, you know, just like a Photoshop cutout unicorn just floating across <laughs> the screen. But then some of the prosthetic effects, like, because the, there was a lot of um, practical effects in it, some of the gore effects and everything were actually really good mm. for a film like that. For I mean, this dude has got something like 20 or so feature films that he's made, and I am so keen to jump into his entire back catalogue. Um, but yeah, some of the, some of the effects were, were really top notch, but the whole thing just, for me, it just had this charm to it. To me, that film just ticked so many boxes, but the highlight was a scene where a girl who has fantasized about unicorns, um, gets to have her way with, uh, with Duke the unicorn and... I haven't laughed that hard in a movie scene in years. I I was screaming with laughter. I had tears in my eyes. I missed most of the scene because I was laughing so goddamn hard. Um, yeah, I, I loved the film so much. I cannot wait to see the next two. I think they're going to be way better than Hell House LLC. I cannot <laughs> wait to see the Meowy Cat films. I... Yeah, I just want to dive so deep into Steve Rudzinski's work. Uh, and yeah, you you loved it as well, right? Yeah, we definitely would have watched the whole trilogy if we hadn't only discovered these like mm. within the last few days. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We haven't had time to get to all of them yet. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, I know, I think I started watching it the day 
like on my lunch break from work after mm. discovering them that morning. Yeah. <laughs> I think I sent you a message when I was about 20 minutes in or something. You going, did, yeah. I don't know what to think about this yeah. film. <laughs> you, you, one of the words you used to describe it was wild. You said, yeah. that, I think you, the message said this unicorn movie is wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I I mean, I, I loved it so much. But then, yeah, just yesterday I, um, I posted a tweet about how we've just gotten you know into this guy's work and i tagged steve radzinski in it and within a minute or two he had responded and um and was like oh wow thanks so much like you know he seemed really humble and i mentioned something about it being a spiritual companion film to Lamageddon and and he responded again and uh and then yeah we we went looking into who this guy is yesterday and according to his instagram account he works as as a marvel character for some marvel live show he cosplays as various dc characters he's just totally into comic books and action figures and popcorn genre films and all this sort of stuff and i'm just like man we have got to get that guy on our podcast and talk to him because he is our people this guy like um and good on him for for doing it because i mean i know how goddamn hard it is to try and get a feature film made i'm still trying to do it um and this guy his films range from like 50 to 70 minutes sometimes i mean he doesn't care you know? he's just like just doing it for the love of it and that's the thing i think the one of the things i loved so much about Karis hell was you could just tell how much fun everyone was having making this film and um yeah so no that that is a significant discovery i uh yeah i'm i'm definitely on board the radzinski train if you will we're 15 days into the year and mm. <laughs> we may have our most watched director of the year <laughs> i know i know i mean uh yeah but we've, we've also you know 15 days into the year where you know we've done two episodes and we've already had so much celebrity interaction between ted pryor and steve radzinski and those two um, <laughs> yeah you know i'm sure there'll be more but anyway how about we get stuck into the main section now yeah So as we do with every episode, uh, we are going to be discussing three films. One film that the two of us have seen before and absolutely love, and we want you to love it as well. And then we give each other a uh, film for homework, if you will, that the <laughs> other person has not seen. Um, and so, yeah, our first film that we're going to be discussing today is the 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead, which uh, originally was a 70s classic George A. Romero zombie film, his sequel to Night of the Living Dead, where a group of people hole up in a shopping mall to try and get away from the hordes of zombies that are trying to tear them apart. And the whole thing was basically a very big uh, metaphor for consumerism and uh that sort of thing but uh it is one of the most critically acclaimed zombie movies ever made uh it is just such a you know staple in the zombie canon and stuff and so in 2004 uh this unknown director named Zack snyder pff, who'd ever heard of him <laughs> uh decided to make a film and it was written by some guy named james gunn 
And I mean, it had a decent cast. You had Sarah Polly, Ving Rames, Mackay Pfeiffer, a whole bunch of cool people. Um, what was your first experience with seeing Dawn of the Dead? Which one? Oh, with the the 2004 remake. Okay, I should say. because I was going to say talk about that. my confession is I've never seen the original. Oh, okay, that's a juicy little bit of gossip right yeah. there. That's interesting. Okay, it's, oh, it's wow. one okay. of those. Um, Hmm. franchise blind spots I have right. in horror is all right. of those films. Oh, man, that's going to limit what we can talk about then because <laughs> there's so many comparisons I wanted to make to the uh, to the original. And you folks out there in Radioland, you've heard it first with me. I was not aware of this information. So, yeah. Um, Should never assume. <laughs> no, I have just made an ass out of... Well, just me, really. Um, well, with with the 2004 Dawn of the Dead, what is your first experience of that uh, film? I don't know. I saw it. Um, I didn't see it at the cinema, mm-hmm. I don't think. No, I can't have. So mm-hmm. I, I, I have the DVD. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just a blind buy mm-hmm. or if I had a reason. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe because Sarah Polly was in it. Mm-hmm. That led me to it, could have been, um, because, of course, I love her from Go, which was not mm. too long before this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right. But, well, yes, I, yeah, I can't help you with memories. I don't have a lot of, <laughs> I don't have memories for every movie I No, watch. no, no, that's, that's okay. <laughs> well, I, I was really excited about it, and I went to see it in the cinemas as soon as I could, and oh my god this movie blew my fucking mind um i was so into it because it changed the genre we had running zombies this time around i mean you know previously in all the george romero zombie films they were all just very slow moving creatures you know which makes sense because his um uh, reasoning for that was because rigor mortis had set into a lot of the zombies and so it was hard for them to be animated which yeah is a great reason this time around james gunn was just like you know what we've done this before let's get rid of that uh these are going to be olympic level sprinters <laughs> and so from that opening scene i mean oh my god I, the love i have for this film the um I mean, the, the use of that Johnny Cash song at the start is so haunting. It is a brilliant song. And it's not like the sort of song you would imagine, you know, around that era of coming out for a movie like this. But that whole opening scene uh, with the little girl and everything, you know, was just... So, I mean, it all happens in five minutes. The first five minutes yeah. of the film. I do love that you just get dropped in it. I mm. Sometimes it's nice to just... Don't have a build up. Don't follow all the characters and find out who they are and what's going mm. on. It's just like she comes home from work, yeah, and she's tired because she's stayed there longer and everything. Mm. And then yeah, stuff just kicks off straight away. Yeah, and there was all these little sort of foreshadowing elements when she's in the hospital. There's, uh, you know, you just hear about things happening in other wards about like a bite victim or whatever, and you know, mm. just little tiny clues and you know, um, and then yeah, you just 
in the first five minutes you you treated to some mind-blowing cinematography like the shot where the camera is attached to the car as it's driving you know i thought that was really incredibly well done and then that massive wide shot where she's driving and you see a truck mm. just come into a petrol station and it explodes like the fact that they did that from that massive aerial shot was just so well done um but yeah, then you know the opening credits with that song, and it's so haunting. Uh, all the the whole soundtrack for this film. I mean, this was the film. As you know, I am a huge Richard Cheese fan, and this I was did the... wonder when I heard the yes. song if this was how you found him. <laughs> this is how I found him. I'm sitting there and just like, is this a piano lounge version of Down with the Sickness? <laughs> and I'm reading the end credits. I'm like, who is Richard Cheese? And then. Of course, I found out about Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine, and I bought several CDs back in the day when we used to buy CDs. Um, but the, that film uh, introduced not only my love of Richard Cheese, but that is the film that inspired my obsession with James Gunn. Because, you know, to me, as much as I love Snyder's direction in this film, it was the script that I thought shone through. And I was always like, who is this James Gunn? And I remember. I mean, this was before he was really famous and back in the MySpace days, you know, and he used to interact with fans a lot on there. And I actually had a conversation with him one night and stuff, you know, and before realizing that you know, this guy was going to be like one of my gods of filmmaking, um, <laughs> you know, we, we just ended up chatting a lot about this supermodel named Josie Marin, who we both at the time uh, had a bit of an obsession over and. I was like, oh my God, cool, something in common. Um, but yeah, well, like, I mean, what, what are some of the standouts for you in the film? Like, what are some of the real highlights of it? I don't know. It was fun when they, I, I love Andy. He's not mm -hmm. a, a huge character, but um, he was fun. So all the scenes where they're like picking out celebrities in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was sort of, I thought the overall film, you know, was a clever representation of society in a way uh, where you have all these characters from, you know, different races and different social upbringings and classes and stuff. And, um, you know, for me and, and James Gunn is so brilliant at crafting characters that are sort of broken people that have to work together. I mean, that is you know that's every film that he's done just about uh you look at guardians of the galaxy you know flawed broken people who have to work together and overcome their differences to uh achieve a goal and this was the same you know and and i just it was so cleverly done for me one of the standouts is always going to be the baby birth scene <laughs> that was so over the top and it was so much fun watching it with Kylie, who is, you know, sitting there growing a pair of twins inside her. And we're watching this and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, man, she's going to love this scene so much. Um, it was disturbing as hell. Uh, but yeah, like, oh, the, the whole family was just a rock star of a movie, you know, mm. it had so much. Yeah, it had really good flow of like, you know the when the characters meet up along the way to getting to the mall mm. and then meet up with security guys that are at the mall and just mm. the yeah group dynamic and went as they're figuring out what they need to do 
mm-hmm. and how they can where to go. Mm. And did you love Anna Sarah Polly's character? I mean, mm. was it uh, one of my favorite moments? Is when um, oh, the the main security guard, the guy with the mustache, that you know he listens to Pantera. CJ. CJ. It was CJ. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know where he's standing there, like you know, holding that gun in front of people. And at first, you know, she's like, "Get that gun out of my face!" And then when he goes to someone else and gets the gun back, just the way she goes, "Get that fucking gun out of my face!" You know, and it's just sort of like you feel that. You know, she is so sassy and. I, uh, yeah, look, we'll, we'll get more into the ending when it comes time for the sealed section of our podcast, because hmm. there's a lot that I want to say about the ending of the film. Um, but yeah, I honestly, I, because for me, and I know this is going to be sacrilege to so many people, and I am, I am really sorry right now, uh, but I thought the original Dawn of the Dead was a rather boring film. I'm just going to say it right now. It's great. Like, don't get me wrong. It is... There's so many things I do love about it, but in terms of it's more, great, but it's boring. But it's boring. Yeah. Well, no, I mean it's great in that you know it, it it on a technical level. I mean all the zombies and everything. The the characters were really cool. Uh, there there were a lot of things that I did like about it. I just thought it was so slow paced, you know. And compared to this one, that just had this adrenaline shot to the heart of energy flowing through it from start to finish and not just because of the running zombies but just like ving rames's character kenneth uh, is he was so great. cool yeah so many of the characters were just so cool and even ones that weren't Except there for, for long oh which one's that the daughter of oh you know, so you mean the one can... who um uh was looking after the dog and everything yeah Oh, I can't yeah. tell you why until the sealed section. But oh, okay. Um, <laughs> she just annoyed me with um, Nicole. Uh, something she did, and it was just so stupid. And I was ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. okay. We will talk about that. Yeah, See, yeah. I'm a little biased because I have a phenomenal crush hot. on Lindy Booth. <laughs> oh my god, there, there is something about that gigantic forehead of hers that I can't. <laughs> really i don't know why it's so appealing but anyway um but yeah look overall you know this this film yeah it just from start to finish it flowed so well the characters were so great um it was a rock star of a movie and yeah i'm just trying to think have there been any zombie movies since this one that have Mm -hmm. been as exciting and interesting Zack snyder did follow this up with a it wasn't a direct sequel, but it was sort of a spiritual successor called Army of the Dead, which... Uh, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Um, it was okay, but uh, it wasn't anywhere near as good as this film, I don't think. I Honestly, I, I think this one was up there with the best remakes ever. And the funny thing is, because uh, even Night of the Living Dead got remade in uh 1991 or three one of those two um and it was directed by tom savini who for anyone out there who's like who the hell is tom savini tom savini is widely regarded as the godfather of horror movie makeup effects um he's also well he had a role in the original dawn of the dead as the leader of a bikey gang actually there were three actors who 
um, were brought back into the remake from Dawn of the Dead because Tom Savini also played a sheriff on TV <laughs> in the remake. <laughs> yep. Um, there's also an actor named Ken Foree who um was in the original film and in this one he was the priest who on tv was warning everyone you know when there is no more room in hell the dead will walk the earth which was the tagline for the original film uh and also uh, an actor named scott h reiniger who was one of the main cast in the first one and again he was like a tv cop in this one um but yeah tom savini directed the uh night of the living dead remake and that was also a very solid you know remake i don't know if that was as good as the original but yeah in the case of dawn of the dead oh man yeah the remake all day every day as far as i'm concerned so yeah and so last week i gave you a choice of three films just based solely on their uh, rotten tomatoes uh reviews which is our system now that we're going to be doing and the uh, you you picked this one because uh, it involved a review that said that you uh, you may bring up a bit of puke um <laughs> yeah no what, what was it uh sorry a, a horribly funny addiction allegory equally likely to make you feel sympathy and sorrow or burp up a tiny bit of sick and that is a film 1988's brain damage uh and i don't agree with that review <laughs> No, no, no. That's that's fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah. Well, what did you think of Brain Damage? Do you want to tell us about it? Uh, it was interesting. And what, what's the <laughs> film about? For those who oh, have no idea, oh, you're making me do it. I'm gonna make um, you do it. <laughs> well, it has a confusing start mm-hmm. with a couple in their apartment, and the guy comes in and she's like did you get it and he's like yeah i had to go further away and then she goes into the bathroom she pulls out it's a pile of brains and she goes into the bathroom and starts screaming and is very annoying and continues to scream and then they're tearing the house apart looking for stuff she's yeah she's in the kitchen throwing plates out of the cupboard screaming and i just wanted her to shut up um (laughs) so annoying (laughs) anyway you find out that it's some creature that's disappeared from them and gone into an apartment down the hall to this guy and yeah i don't know it's weird Mm. so yeah it's basically about a, a creature named aylmer who uh if you attach it to the back of your neck it will inject your brain with a hallucinogenic substance which is a metaphor for you know any sort of drug um and you become addicted to it but in turn the creature needs to eat brains and so that's the big payoff is that in order to keep getting aylmer's juice you have to feed him brains uh so yeah look i ah man it's one of those films that now i get why people would hate this film even though it is a favorite of mine i just think the drug metaphor is so well done it's it's not subtle it's very obvious but (laughs) um but it was a film that they used to screen sometimes late at night on channel 10 you know at 10 30 at night or whatever and i would always if i saw it in the tv guide i'd be like oh my god brain damage is on and then I bought the DVD, upgraded that to an Arrow release Blu-ray, which has got so much extra stuff on it. 
Um, but yeah, it's... I don't know. There's just something I love about it. You know, maybe it is that part of weird. me. It is very weird. And it is not... And, and the, it's kind of hilarious. Like when you first mm. see the creature mm-hmm. and it pops up and it starts talking and it's got its little eyes and it just... Yeah. <laughs> Oh, with his little British voice, his gentleman voice and stuff. I love his voice so much. The Um, the first scene where he gets high from it and goes mm, to the junkyard. mm -hmm. I mean, what a performance from the actor because he's just yelling and yelling and not as annoying (laughs) as the woman screaming, but I I just couldn't help thinking, okay, calm down. Mm -hmm. And he's not so over the top later on in the film, but yeah, it was... But how amazing was the casting between him and his brother? Like, they looked like they could be siblings. That was yeah. insane. I know. For um, a second at the beginning, I was like, are they meant to be twins? Is that? Mm, it looks the same. And then I saw yeah, them yeah. properly and went, oh, yeah, they're not. They're just very mm. similar. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, there's this whole subplot. Because he lives with his brother, uh, the main character, Brian, which is very clever because, of course, it's an anagram of brain. Um... He lives with his brother. He has a girlfriend, but the more he's getting addicted to Aylmer's substance in his brain, he uh, sort of ditches his girlfriend in a way, and you know she ends up in the arms of his brother. And uh, so there's this whole big sort of soap operatic dramatic element to it. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's eighties horror movie schlock. I mean, you know the the scene in the alleyway where he meets the girl in the club. And goes yeah. out the. Uh, well, that was good because I also I really liked the band in the club. I actually looked mm, them up, the Serene mm-hmm. Paul Cues. Right, right. Because um, I really liked that song, and mm. yeah, and then um, he's dancing like a maniac, yeah. and then but she thinks it's hot, and so they go out into the alleyway, and mm. yeah, that's got to be the most memorable scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was I think I believe that was cut out for its initial release uh because it was a bit too graphic but uh let's just say the young lady sings into his microphone and uh yeah and a microphone it's aylmer and he wants brains and you can pretty much guess where that one's going (laughs) um but yeah no it's just there's uh, it's one of those movies that i think it appeals to the side of me that loves movies that are so bad they're good but it's not bad that's the thing. It's almost bad. It's <laughs> it's it's knocking on the door of bad and saying, "Hey, we want to live there." But it's. I just think, yeah, you know, with this, I don't know. There's a lot to it. Did you? Um, of course, it's directed by Frank Henenlotter. And did you notice the scene where he's on the subway train and yeah. uh, Dwayne from Basket Case comes and sits down with Belial in the, yeah. in the basket? And, and then everything. he's like, "You're too weird for me." So yeah, he yeah, leaves yeah. again. <laughs> I thought that was a really cool little bit, but uh, yeah, look, it's just one of those movies that, I mean, would you recommend it to people? Did you like it enough Uh, to recommend it? Probably not, unless Mm -hmm. I knew for sure they were really into that kind of thing, but I I don't think it's one that I will be watching a lot in the future. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Kind Kind of a one and done thing. Right, right. Yeah, I was I was the opposite, of course, because I have it on both DVD and Blu-ray now, and I <laughs> love the film. Uh, I find it immensely rewatchable. So uh, yeah. I did like the visuals, like the the first scene when um, when it first happens, and he's laying in bed, and there's all like the 
light shades turning into mm. an eye and then there's like blue liquid coming mm. in building up next to the bed mm. and everything so that was pretty interesting it was i thought they did a good job with the use of practical effects in it i mean yeah some of them were very cheesy you know when you look at mm. the light show in the junk uh, the yeah yard, like, <laughs> i mean that was just really bad special effects but yeah but it's um, kind of charming and exactly the yeah. style of it mm, yeah 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 uh so yeah no i i i yeah i'm always a fan of that film and i'm glad you got to see it even though you obviously didn't love it as much as i did i uh, did read um a review that mm -hmm. um apparently they only found one other review that also said you could read it as a thing about um sexuality mm -hmm. and how you know he's shunning his girlfriend mm -hmm. and the creature seems to be killing off the girls mm. but you know is avoiding the brother mm. and then there's a character in the shower later yes avoids I was... him mm -hmm. yeah and yeah, so I'm like, yeah. Hmm. i think there could have been a little bit of that in there i mean it's well. obviously the drug thing because it's so yeah. it's like barbie level of non-subtle messaging yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah definitely uh but look i mean dawn of the dead's great brain damage is great but oh man you opened my eyes to another film that is truly great a film that i loved it so much i watched it one night and then the next day i was like oh kylie you've got to see this film and i need to see it again i watched it again the next day i love it that much and yeah that is of course heavy trip uh which is a finnish film that is going to appeal to anyone with even a slight interest in heavy metal or heavy metal films or the the scene or whatever um oh my god i I'm so happy that you introduced me to this film. <laughs> so, yeah, this one is about a, a Finnish band who... Uh, of uh, A bunch of lovable dumbasses. I mean, think Bill and Ted. Like, they, that's the sort of characters you're getting in this film. Maybe slightly more intelligent. Uh, they've been playing for 12 years, but they've never actually played a gig. They only play covers. And then... There's an opportunity that comes up for uh, to play in a Norwegian festival, um, but the yeah, it does it or doesn't it? You know, it's sort of one of those things where a lie gets out of control, and all of a sudden the whole town just loves this band, uh, and they're riding high on their success briefly until. A whole bunch of things just come crashing down and and yeah i will not say what happens in the end of course that is there is going to be a lot of talk about this film <laughs> in the spoiler section oh the sealed section i should say um but yeah oh man what can i say thank you so much for getting me into this <laughs> film what what was when did you first come across it uh i don't remember now how i found it um but I just remember it came out and I was trying to watch it and it took a while to make it over here. And then, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I saw it was available digitally and it was on sale. So to purchase it, mm -hmm. it was only like 4 or $5 or something, like the price of a wow. rental. So yeah. um, I grabbed it and, yeah, it paid off because it was so good. Oh. But, yeah, basically, I don't know, it just popped into 
my world somehow and I was like oh mm. movie about it's a movie about a metal band of course I'm gonna watch it mm. yeah for me one of the things I loved so much about the film was that I resonated with it so much um I'm watching the way that the main character Turo the singer flicks his hair and I'm watching I'm just like oh my god I know so many people who do that like he sort of grabs large chunks of the hair and flicks them back and I'm like I know that guy <laughs> and then I'm watching the rest of the band and you know there are all these characters who you know they they I mean they're in like a hardcore kind of uh, you know black metal death metal grind band and um but they're just such nice lovable guys yeah. and that's the thing like it it I love the way that the film shone a light on uh improperly pigeonholing people or judging people unfairly and stuff and one of the best scenes in the film was when uh hit the love interest Mia uh her dad who's the police chief or whatever uh, you know is because of course you know Turo is getting around on his push bike which I just love that image um and he pulls up next to him and you know Turo's gotten a bunch of flowers to give to somebody and uh and you know the the police officer is is you know, he's a really old guy and he's like telling him, you know, make sure you don't, those flowers don't wind up in your drug den and stuff. <laughs> it's just like, man, like, you, 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 just because the dude's got long hair and is dressed in tight jeans and a leather jacket and everything doesn't mean that, you know, he's into drugs or anything. I mean, he, he's obviously the most clean character. Um, but, you know, not only that, but I loved the scene uh when um you know they're, they're trying to come up with riffs and uh pardon me well Lothvonen, the guitarist um you know he's he's come up with all these riffs that have already been done before and you know Parsi, the the bass player is telling him exactly what the song is and stuff and i had that moment happen to me <laughs> recently i a few months ago um i thought of a riff in my head and i'm just sort of humming this sort of like dun 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 and I was like oh that sounds really cool and I actually went and recorded it I and thought okay I'll keep that aside you know and one day I'll I'll turn into a song only a few days ago I'm listening to a Foo Fighters album and now I'm not a big Foo Fighters fan I like them but I kind of it's not a band I go out of my way to listen to or anything and on their album, The Color and the Shape from 1997, um, I'm listening to it and track three comes on, a song called Hey Johnny Park. And I kid you not, the riff went, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm just sitting here, I'm like, what the hell? I've only ever heard that song maybe once or twice in my whole life. And obviously i ripped it off you know and i'm like oh man i can't use that riff now and i'm so <laughs> proud of it too and so i'm watching that scene in the film you know where the guy is uh you know playing like you know walk by pantera and all these other songs and and i'm just thinking that you'd sort of think oh that's a bit of a silly scene but no it's probably really <laughs> i think um a lot of people compare heavy trip to this is spinal tap and i've seen that a lot in all the things that i've been reading and i think that's really unfair i 
I think just every music film, especially a rock film, is is compared to Spinal Tap. Mm. But um, no, the main thing, the main vibe that I got was the cartoon series Metalocalypse. Uh, you know, with the band Death Clock. Have you seen yeah. Metalocalypse? Yeah, yeah. They really reminded me of the characters from from Death Clock in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, that film, Heavy Trip, it just. It had so much heart. It had such that a was wonderful in that message. Review. That, the, what was that? The, the, the snippet you chose, it had a thing about having its heart on its sleeve. Oh, it did too. It did too. Yep, yep, yep. That's right. Um, yeah, I thought all of the characters were just so likable, so funny. It was hilarious. Yeah, I love that um, Parsi was just like very serious very still like the others were running he would just walk yeah. and then when they kind of get things going with the band and they're like oh we need to take a promo photo he like oh. turns up with his like leather and spikes and the corpse paint mm. and then he's like mm. i'm what is it zootrax zootrax yeah <laughs> and that's just his new persona <laughs> in the band now and it's really funny yeah. too because the the black paint is makes him look sad how he's done the black around the eyes and the mouth and Mm. so it's just really funny in certain scenes where someone's saying stuff to him and he just looks like he's really sad but he's just Mm -hmm. there with his deadpan face like always oh man i got that exact same thing yeah it it just adds to the comedy of the scene where you know he he just looks like you'd need to give him a big cuddle Mm. you know because you've said something bad but you don't want to because he's covered in nails and spikes (laughs) and stuff um but yeah no i was really super excited to find out that there is a sequel now in post-production uh called heavier trip which um yeah there's a plot synopsis and everything on imdb already for that one and that's the thing yeah there are so many movies that you watch it and you think okay that's a story that doesn't need to be elaborated on looking at you hell house llc uh but no this was one i got to the end probably the reason why i watched it again the next day is because i just wanted to dive back into these characters again that's the thing Um, the story in this is completely contained it doesn't need a sequel um mm. so you know it's not like a there's any sort of cliffhanger ending or anything like that Mm. that you need a sequel but you just want it because you just want to hang out with them some more Mm exactly exactly uh i just loved every character in this even even the the sort of antagonist of the thing yoni uh you know is this sort of smarmy you know local celebrity singer who's completely up himself but he's kind of like um for those in australia he's, he's kind of like a dave graney sort of a character in a way you know with like a cheap 70s suit and stuff and kind of a swing band or whatever like you know but um and yeah he's vying for the heart of mia the local flower shop girl and that was another thing as well that i loved is that you know you see mia she's always in these pretty dresses and her blonde hair all curly and stuff and and you know then you look at turo who's you know got the longest hair you can imagine and just always in black with big boots and you know a studded belt and all this sort of stuff and yeah, I love the fact that she's into him and he's into her. You know, like, that happens a lot. But it's quite common to see, like, a goth guy mm. with a girl who's just wearing bright colours. and Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but it's an interesting mix. There are people who can, is. you know, look beyond or mm. are just yeah. really into the 
rock look even if they don't mm. do it themselves yeah yeah but it would have been an easy route for them to have a love interest who's a metalhead or you know something mm. like that but the fact that she was quite repulsed by their music uh <laughs> yeah i thought i thought that was kind of wonderful um so yeah no that is a film that oh man i will be repeatedly watching that many more times in the future um but yeah there is definitely stuff i want to talk about in the sealed section when that comes up which uh yeah. hopefully nearly we there. have a chance to see the sequel at cinema i'm not yes. maybe at a festival um mm -hmm. if we're lucky fingers crossed yeah no i i oh man i need more of this world so uh yeah but um anyway so yeah thank you very much for uh introducing me to that film and giving me an opportunity to rewatch dawn of the dead and yeah well i was looking I guess, forward to dawn of the dead because yeah it's been a number of years since i've seen that one as well so it was due for a rewatch mm. oh absolutely and my friend Steve is most likely going to be listening to this and a shout out to him because he was on board with me from day one with that film. Um, I even I got to make a little short zombie film once where Steve got to be one of the zombies and uh, it was in a video store that I worked. It was part of an interstore competition where we had to make a promo video and I wound up making a five minute zombie flick and it was solely based on Dawn of the Dead. I even had... Um, one of the extras on the DVD, one of the special features, uh, is this sort of news report thing that goes on and on. And, um, you know, when we first see the two working at the counter, like I use that in the background as like the news bulletin. And there were, I remember there was a scene where, because um, there were two different versions or two different cover arts for the image. You know, the, the um, poster art, the main one has got like a white, just all white with the side of a zombie's face. Yeah. They released it, I don't know why, but they released it with, uh, some of them had the zombie's face on the right-hand side, some of them had it on the left-hand side. And so I just did this little comedic thing where the when the zombies are in the store picking movies to watch, um, there was a bit where uh, someone picks it up and has the two halves and puts it over Steve's face and like makes a full zombie image over him sort of thing um so yeah we've got a lot of fond memories of that flick but um yeah so and i know steve's watching but anyway um but yeah so we we did uh we did decide on what our mutual film will be next week and i'm a little excited yes this is another film that i well i've rewatched it more recently than dawn of the dead but it's still been quite some time i meant to rewatch the whole franchise but i never got to it so now i can start mm -hmm. again and do it this mm -hmm. time and so we'll be watching alien which is yeah that is a film i have not seen in a long time and i am so super keen to get stuck back into that one again um because yeah initially we did have another 90s comedy film that is very dear to our hearts but we thought, oh, we just recently did a 90s comedy, so let's think outside the box here. And uh, yeah, no, that was a very good choice with Alien. Um, but we also have some picks for each other for our homework films. So uh, would you like to go first? Do you want to okay. read me the reviews that you've got? And I will choose a movie based on these. So I've ventured out of Rotten Tomatoes for some of them, or maybe all. Mm -hmm. I can't remember because, um, well, 
two of them are, are not big mainstream movies, so they didn't really have any. <laughs> so right. I've gone to Letterboxd where, where mm-hmm. needed. So, yep. okay, number one. Mm-hmm. Interesting and entertaining Swedish vampire flick. I could go into more detail about the plot, but honestly, either the phrase Swedish vampire flick intrigues you or it doesn't. <laughs> and I doubt my talking about how funny and well done it is could sway your mind if you're one of the latter. I do wish I could find some clips of the talking dog sequences to share, though. Those <laughs> cracked me up. <laughs> Oh man, how am I going to go past that? And I don't know of any Swedish vampire flicks. So, yeah, I thought yeah, I could leave that in, and it one. wouldn't be a, oh, a big thing because no. it's a, it's not a yeah really famous. No, movie. you did good there. Okay, yep. second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a fun watch. Mix a little Blair Witch with some Evil Dead, and good things happen. Ooh! Oh wow! Why, why have you just thrown in two of my favorite <laughs> films into the now the swedish vampires and talking dogs are like you know taking a sideline okay uh, and um when the weather warms up i'm always eager to titillate my brain with cheesy sleazy trash and this is just the lo-fi summary galactic slab of cheesy carnage i needed on a saturday night <laughs> Uh, pinnacle of low budget high ambition vision the amount of sheer entertainment gory chaos and lasery eyed slime creature mayhem it accomplishes is nothing short of impressive oh my god how wow okay um look i I can't go past swedish vampires and talking dogs uh, (laughs) um i thought that might sway you so was that the film you were hoping I was going to well, pick? Well, it's one I haven't seen for quite a while. It's one that mm-hmm. has mixed reviews. And okay. I mainly remember one really hilarious scene. So, All right. So but, what's, what, what <laughs> film am I going to be watching? It's called Frostbitten from Frostbitten. 2006. Okay. All right. I, uh, I will endeavor to track that one and the the letterboxd Um, review is very uh synopsis is very vague so okay um Mm -hmm. pretty much going blind yeah i I don't know i have the dvd i don't know how i found it if i just Mm -hmm. dvd was cheap and i bought it because it was a vampire Mm -hmm. movie i think that was probably the case um because i've never Mm -hmm. heard anyone talk about it no no i've not heard of this one so uh all right no i'm very looking forward to checking that out based on that um all right so as far as the three reviews that i have got for films that i would like you to see and i would definitely like to rewatch, uh the first one uh i figured i can probably say the director's surname because yeah you're not going to get it so uh this is from rotten tomatoes McNaughton's rough, non-judgmental direction gives the film a stylishly chilling documentary feel, while the killer's use of a camcorder asks some challengingly uncomfortable questions about voyeurism and the nature of screen violence. Uh, The second film, um, somebody uh, on on Letterboxd, uh, because I couldn't really find too many... Apparently this film wasn't really that critically... (laughs) adored but i don't know why uh so somebody on letterbox though who gave it a five star rating said wow 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 i wanted to vomit the entire movie i was so nervous i love it oh 
Yep. Uh, but uh, uh, kind of got a feeling maybe you might go with this one. So this is another Letterboxd review, a four-star review for this film. And someone simply says, The Citizen Kane of movies where a man karate fights a cow. <laughs> So we've got uh, like challengingly uncomfortable questions about voyeurism and the nature of screen violence. We got, I wanted to vomit. I was so nervous. I love it. Or the Citizen Kane of movies where a man karate fights a cow. Which which one are you leaning towards? Well, I know you did tell me earlier there's one that you hoped I would pick over the other two. And I have a feeling mm-hmm. what that one is. Oh, uh, yeah. They're all quite vague apart from the last one. <laughs> Well, that's the idea. <laughs> All right, I pick the last one. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. You, my dear, are going to be watching Kung Pao Enter the Fist, a film by a director named Steve Oderkirk, who is one of my most favorite filmmakers. This guy is so diverse. He writes and he wrote Patch Adams with Robin Williams um he's directed a lot of stuff uh, not a lot of stuff but some stuff with jim carrey as well like uh he sort of came out of that ilk you know in the sort of mid to late 90s but kung pao into the fist he he also acts and he stars in this film he actually bought the rights to a 70s hong kong film called i think it was called tiger and crane fists but he digitally put himself into the film he overdubbed the entire film on his own every voice is by him and it is a movie that i went and saw it at the cinemas when it came out and i think it was 2004 i want to say um and i was sitting there thinking to myself this is the fucking stupidest thing i've ever seen in my life but why am i crying from laughing so hard it is mind-blowingly ridiculous uh what's that i i just saw someone's review then they said austin powers but asian no you can't compare it to austin powers nothing like that oh my god no imagine a hong kong martial arts film where someone has digitally inserted (laughs) themselves into the film and has dubbed every voice but yes there is a scene where he fights a badly cg done cow um oh it's so silly but it has a massive underground following like so many people have been clamoring for a sequel ever since the film came out because he hinted at a sequel at the end of the film but it never happened um but yeah i am oh my god i am giddy with joy at the fact that you're going to be watching kung pao um me and a friend ever since we saw it the day it came out we've been quoting this film since then so (laughs) we've spent 20 years quoting this film um yeah uh and that was actually the one that i changed around because there was initially another film that i had on there that was also directed by steve odekirk and i was like oh that'll do and then all of a sudden i was like wait a minute steve odekirk oh my god i've got to put kung pao on this list and kind of find the most enticing review that i can to lure you into watching it (laughs) so yes all right so there you go so next episode will be a very mixed bag of alien frostbitten and kung pao enter the fist so we have martial arts (laughs) aliens and vampires we do we do and yeah 
where we've sort of got like sci-fi horror, um, what sounds like horror comedy, mm. and just ridiculous martial arts comedy. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be quite an episode <laughs> for the next one. So. All right. Well, listen. We're gonna uh, we got the the hot tub is all warmed up and bubbling, and the candles are lit, and we're gonna get into the sealed section now. So, thank you to everybody. Uh, we will say goodbye now because not everyone, of course, wants to hear spoilers about the movies we've discussed. Uh, but yes, if you've made it this far, thank you very much for uh, for tuning in, and we hope to see you on the next one. And uh, yeah, if you don't mind a spoiler or two, then come take a dip with us. Alright, so the first film, well we may as well go in the order of, uh, of the films that we've just discussed. So Dawn of the Dead. Um, so much spoiler talk. So much spoiler talk. Well look, I really want to get into the ending because I thought one of the reasons I loved the film so much was because of the ending. You mean like I mean, the very, very end? The very, very end. So yeah, the film ends, the, the boat sails off into the distance, mm. but then of course we get that genius brilliant cam like handheld camera stuff where they find a video camera and document the rest of what happens now i i i've read a few people who've commented that the ending is ambiguous but i i don't know what it is it says about me but i just thought no nope, they got fucked up at the end yeah. like that was it they they perished i mean the boat sails to the island and they set foot of course chips the dog just goes running off and the incredibly hot lindy booth goes <laughs> after him you know um and then you know uh kenneth has of course got the shotgun ready but then you just see another army of zombies come running towards them and the camera's just sitting there but to me they were outnumbered there was no way they could have possibly i think it's possibly... just that horror thing of mm -hmm. you know it doesn't specifically show you so there's always the option that they could do something with it which is a thing i really mm. hate in films i'm like you know just sometimes the villain can just die they don't have to be ready to come back for a sequel mm. they can just stay dead yeah. so i guess it's that thing because they didn't specifically show it although i'm with you mm. i think it's pretty obvious from what you see like how could they get away they only had the boat exactly. or the ocean to go into well, not only that, but of course it was shown that the boat's motor had blown because there's a fire that they're putting out and there's the, mm. the, oh, yeah, show and the, the petrol, the thing. fuel gauge is empty. They've run out of water. Like it cleverly just shows us all these things in. And sometimes they weren't even there for a second. It was like just a, just a quick show of what was going on. And so, yeah, they couldn't get off that on. So to me, they were screwed, but did you notice now he's he's a he's testing your <laughs> uh, your movie trivia did you notice a link between the end credits of dawn of the dead 2004 and james gunn's the suicide squad oh, that just you, came out of you expect ago? me to remember end credits from a movie i watched like not the credits not the okay. credits something else amongst the credits did you did you notice the link between those two no See, I'm sitting there and the song comes up, The People Who Died by the Jim Carroll Band. Uh, you know that song, All the People Who Died, Died. 
all the people who died died and i'm thinking hang on a second that was oh the suicide squad they used that song in the end credits of that as well and i just so i'm wondering if james gunn had a hand in that song going into the end credits of dawn of the dead because i mean let's face it it's something that gunn does is kill everybody in his films um well you know as many people as you can get away with and so i think that using that song in there as well was a clue that um that everybody died well, because you, read you know so deeply into these i did i don't did. even well, remember that that song was in dawn of the dead and credits let alone that it was in the suicide squad as well well i mean i noticed it when i was watching dawn of the dead because that song came up and i was like hey that's the song that i really liked from the suicide squad and that was in the end credits of that movie as well and that had a shit ton of what you think of main characters getting killed early on in that film um and yeah so i just thought that was really clever but um yeah like i said it, it added to my um you know theory that everybody got wiped out in dawn of the dead um but what were you going to say about nicole who was played by the sensational lindy booth oh just you know we almost got a movie without someone making a really stupid decision like they had already confirmed that the zombies weren't paying attention to the dog mm. so why the hell is she getting in a truck and going over yeah. there to get the dog back especially when apparently yeah. it seems the plan was to do that anyway to i know i know it was really stupid uh and i do agree with you there i i mean look as a writing device i guess it was yeah they had to uh, get them over yeah, there yeah you know so that made sense but i do agree it was a phenomenally stupid decision i don't care how much she loved that dog and they, they did a good job of of foreshadowing that with her closeness to the dog and all that sort of stuff like you know great stuff to them but um yeah that was a phenomenally stupid idea but um did you get to watch the andy's video diary i did because um yeah i really liked him he he did a lot with well i mean i don't know i'm always partial to a, a long-haired character he had an interesting look mm -hmm. but he you know for such a minor character mm. he brought so yeah. much that i was like really i'd forgotten like i was pretty sure that he wasn't going to make it but i had i didn't mm. remember details from the last time i'd watched it so i was really sad sure. that he didn't make it and i'm like why didn't you shut the door quicker when the dog got in because you know yeah. it was very slow I, <laughs> I loved how that dvd extra because yeah the dvd of that was just packed with great stuff and yeah for those who are wondering so it's a video diary that andy the gun shop owner was keeping um throughout the zombie apocalypse and it gives us an insight into how long the characters were in the mall which was uh 28 or 29 days or something um but i loved also how on the two-way conversation that they in the main movie that they have with him mm. uh during the moment where he gets bitten and everything uh you then see it from his perspective yeah. and i just thought that was so freaking cool but then yeah the heartbreak of seeing him turn and stuff and i love how they did that thing on vhs recorders where you saw little bits from his wife and child mm. and stuff which just made it even more heartbreaking um so yeah that was really really well done i thought that was one of the best video extra features that i've ever seen i think um in terms of sort of tying it into the film and giving you more mm. um but yeah um was that all the spoilers you wanted to discuss with dawn of the dead because for me it was mostly the ending yeah i think so 
Yeah. Um, I didn't really have any thing spoilerish for brain damage. I've got to be honest, I didn't even take any notes for that film because yeah. it's just kind of a very simplistic, straight out film. Yeah, a lot um, of it is like the visuals and the vibe and everything. And yeah, the whole, yeah. It's um, the same with bas- Basket Case, like the whole kind of grimy New York thing mm. that just yeah. makes you feel a bit ugh, like the... Um, the place he goes to stay at. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was so well done. Apart from the guy um, in the showers who just totally mm. looked like way too mm. clean cut and whatever yeah. to be living in a place like that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we couldn't talk about the ending because uh, I I saw that apparently there were people who thought the ending of Brain Damage was ambiguous as well. But, I mean, Brian shoots himself in the head and then the police rush in, of course, and there's this weird scene where there's a giant hole in his head emitting this light, Mm. which I, you know, obviously the director was, you know, doing something metaphorical there, but um, apparently there were people who were thinking that that was ambiguous, that it might've meant something else and that he lived. But to me, it was just a, without half his head. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, to me that the whole ending was, was kind of a, uh, metaphor for overdose uh, because of course you know the old guy squeezes Aylmer mm. and you know Brian's brain Brian's brain wow um, <laughs> gets flooded with the blue juice which uh, causes those big welts and you know <laughs> like a, almost another head growing out of his forehead but um, yeah but yeah there's not a lot of spoiler talk about that film yeah. but <laughs> Heavy Trip on the other hand let's talk about Yunku. <laughs> Um, yeah, my God, were you the same as we were like, when Yunku dies in the van crash? Were you just like, holy shit, are you serious? Did you uh, see that coming? I don't really remember. I, d- I wouldn't have seen it coming because, like, the first right, time yeah. I watched it. Um, mm. I'd forgotten it this time until, like, a bit into the movie because, of course, mm-hmm. they're setting up the other guy drumming. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I was gobsmacked because I I saw the van crash and I love the comedic way the reindeer just trots off <laughs> yeah. the, you know off the road. Um, but I thought, oh, okay, like you know, oh, they've they've ruined the van. You know, I thought that was where that plot point was going to. And then the next thing, it cuts to a funeral mm. scene. And I'm like, oh, whose funeral are they are they at? It's like, oh my god, Yunku died. What the hell? <laughs> like that just really got me because I. I loved his character. Mm. He was this, and I mean, you can probably understand why. He was this eternal optimist, you know, when everything's going bad, he's still got a smile on his face and finding reasons why things are good. You know? yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh man, I love this character. And then, yeah, then he got killed and I thought that was shocking. But I get why they did it, of course, because... You know, there was the whole thing where he was saying that he was going to make it to the Norway festival, even if he was dead. And so when they go and rob the grave and like tie his coffin to the roof of the van and stuff, I'm just like, oh, wow, that's actually really heartfelt. And then later on, you see his coffin being, you know, crowd surfing along and stuff. And I thought that was incredible. But um, yeah, it really added a whole other level of of sort of heartwarming you know, touching storytelling for me. It, it was mm. good. It had enough fun in the movie that you 
weren't like completely destroyed by it so mm. um yeah and yeah what happens after just still keeps you happy that they're on their journey to get there mm. And they even made jokes about, you know, I mean, throwing the pair of drumsticks and then, of course, Lot Vonnen's got, like, the burger or whatever, you know, which was, like, the something-something special for a special guy. <laughs> and, of course, you go to Zootrax with his, like, and he's got the sort of the, the corpse paint's got tears coming <laughs> down from it, which I thought was brilliant. Um, but, yeah, no, that that scene really... Sh- and even, yeah, Kylie gasped and was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, we did not expect that to happen um so yeah that was yeah that was very cool but i guess that's another reason why people are comparing it to spinal tap though of course because you know there's that whole running gag and this is spinal tap where their drummers constantly are dying and they've gone through something like 30 something drummers in there um in their time that they've been together so i guess that probably maybe could have been a little bit of a nod to spinal tap but um yeah, I guess of all the band members, uh, Yungu was probably the most expendable one, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But, all right. So, yeah. Is that all the spoilers you wanted to get out of your system? I think so. That that was the, the main thing to talk about with that. Mm, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Another goodbye to all those who have stuck through the sealed section. Time to... Uh, Pull the plug on the bath. Ooh, no, let's not talk about bath. <laughs> Put your clothes back on and uh, get yourself out of here. But um, yeah, so uh, stay tuned because we will have our next episode. Of course, uh, I am elongating this sentence so I can look at my calendar. Um, that will be coming up. Oh, on the 2nd of February. Thank you once again to everybody. Thank you to Jesse and his podcast as well for plugging us once again. Uh, if you want to go check out his podcast, it's called Freaky Friday. F-R-E-E-K. Uh, they're actually at the, in the process of discussing the, uh, Living Dead series and they will be talking about Dawn of the Dead on their next one. So, um, sucked in Jesse, we beat you to it. (laughs) But, (laughs) But no, thank you very much to everybody for tuning in. We hope that you've been enjoying all of this. And um, yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. Farewell. Farewell.